Hello, you're listening to The Miss Amanda Chen Show, and welcome to the first Wednesday of 2021. I've got some new episodes for the 100 Mass Men series, where I have candid conversations with anonymous men from all walks of life about what masculinity means to them in the 21st century. Mass Man number 16 is the Mass Defender. In this episode, we talk about the stereotypes and assumptions that come as an attractive male personal trainer with mainly female clients. So you can imagine the backlash he might get from his male colleagues. Personal fitness might look different these days, but the pressure to have the perfect body still exists. There's so much we talk about here from encouraging women to desire to be stronger, take up boxing, and even lift weights, but not too much because you'll start to look like a man. At the end of the day, it's all about insecurities projected from other people. And of course, this gets touchy because our most vulnerable moment is when we're trying to improve our body image. This is a fantastic conversation and I really hope you enjoy the show. I am a personal trainer, boxing coach with a specialization in kinesiology and exercise physiology. That was like my tagline for the first like three years so people could understand and differentiate me from the rest of the lot. But I own a business here downtown and we focus a lot on corrective strengthening exercises, group fitness, and sports preparation. So uh, when I first met you, I thought you were just like untouchable because you know you're this trainer guy that's teaching these classes Mm -hmm. and I don't really think that you're that approachable and -hmm. I would just only feel like I can only talk about you talk to you unless I was talking about some kind of fitness related thing Mm -hmm. do you get that a lot people only talk to you about fitness stuff and then it takes a while to kind of be able to connect with them in the beginning of my career I thought it was that and as the years go on as I got older I just come to the realization that I have a very intimidating face that's just personal. That's a defense mechanism. Not that I grew up grew up rough, but I was raised to be very on the defensive and kind of scope out the scene and constantly study my surroundings. So that isn't really a pissed off face that I have. It's more of just like concentrating on what is happening around me, making sure that all social interactions are kind of like kept to a sane, and I say with air quotes, sane uh, level. I think now... I've uh, I've kind of warded off the talk of fitness because I've been in the field for so long. The last thing I want to talk about is my job. But yeah, over the past five years, I'd say once I opened up, people started talking to me more about their mental health and more about how they see themselves aesthetically or how they see themselves mentally or career-wise. And it's kind of you're kind of you kind of turn to a therapist if you do your job right. Interesting. Yeah. So I think once I opened up. Or show that little glimmer of hope that I'm not an asshole. I really let people in. Once you're in, you're in. You you can see, you you will clearly understand why I am the way I am. Because once you're in the circle, or once you're in the circle of trust, I'm only looking out for your best interest. So why do you think that? What was the origin of you being so defensive from a young age? I mean, probably because of the fact my parents left their homeland because of war. <laughs> so everything. Uh, has them on edge and I think is it is from this is from uh, the show um, black as fuck if your ancestors before you were living beside let's say a a nightclub right to loud music every day your ancestors after you are going to be born with smaller ear eardrums so I think the fact that my grandparents went through war my parents went through war just kind of being on that on edge constantly uh, studying your surroundings has been passed down to me which has I've recognized and it's not always the best way to think about things 
but uh, it definitely is a good way to keep me safe. Okay. Yeah, of letting what energies come to me. Okay. Yeah. So that's great, like that you know yourself on a on a personal level what your security mm. measurements are or you know what your protection habits are. Do mm. you feel like you need to also defend others because of that upbringing? Yes. I was the kid that would almost get suspended for fighting, but not because I started it. It was either because I got bullied and I beat up the bully or like someone else in the class was beating up on someone and I beat that kid up worse. It was always that kid that got in trouble by proxy. One thing my mom recently just told me now that she's getting to her elder, elderly years, she probably hates that. She's like, you're not a defender. She's not, you're not a fighter. You're a defender. So typically the conception of men is, you know, hunter gatherer, protector type, mm -hmm. archetype. How well do you associate yourself with that? Like, do you think that's a manly thing to be? No, no. I best describe my mom as um, a lioness in the sense that if any of you know the how a pride of lions actually works is the women actually go hunt and kill and the men just kind of stand there and look pretty. I feel like in history, uh, women have been the ones who almost carry the men and uh, we just kind of take the credit for it so i don't see that i definitely see the benefit of a hard-working woman mindset and i can see the difference how men and women both operate so no that type that uh that uh, stereotype is false do you ever get this where women sign up to work with you just because they want to be around you um, absolutely yes so do you ever feel unsafe around that if they're kind of you know preying on you in that sense do i feel safe i feel safe i i set boundaries like i set boundaries and to women out there you can clearly set boundaries without coming off defensive or aggressive guys too i think but i think guys are too nice sometimes to women in the sense of like i see that this woman really likes me but i feel bad because i don't want to say no and they say quiet and it kind of like leads on to whatever just say like hey like i appreciate that yeah even if you don't have a girlfriend or a wife, just be like, yeah, yeah, like something, 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 my girlfriend. Right off the bat, you say that. If they were kind of hitting on you during your sessions, they kind of, you, you said that word, they, they clue in, right? And they'll back off. Yeah, so you set boundaries. You set boundaries. Sometimes I am too nice. So when they're very forward, I'm just like, I can't in the middle of the session be like, hey, stop. I'm not interested. Because then that individual then feels embarrassed. And then they're not, if, if they're already, if, if them hiring you was already pushing past their comfort zone, to you to turn them out down like that, they are running. You know what I mean? They're running and they're not looking back. And that's happened to me sometimes. And at the end of the day, it's like, did you really come here for the right purpose? This happened to me recently, right? And then I just asked myself, like, did you, did you come for the right reason? And if not, I'll see you in a couple of years when you're, you know what I mean? I'll see you in a couple of years when like your body's like, like talking back to you. If you're at home, if you guys are listening to this, you'll go, oh, this guy's a player. No, man. Like women are people too, you know, have conversations that they want to have. They have lives that they want to share. They have stories. I think the fact that it's very easy for, and women feel comfortable speaking to me. A lot of men see that as like a threat or some sort of like competition. So I definitely have a lot more uh, female clients. And I think all my clientele that are men, majority of them are gay. Interesting. Yeah. Because I get along with them too. Like there's like people, people take the, ta take the title, whatever they are away from them. At the end of the day, 
it's a being, it's a person that has issues. They have their own issues, they have their own life, and people just want to talk. You know what I mean? So if you can have, if you can teach them lessons that they can go on with their life and how to move and how to like live longer through movement and lend an open ear to them, that's all you really need as a, as a professional, right? As a, someone in the field. But yeah, I definitely, I think my, if I were to make like a tally, it would go women, gay men, men. Interesting. Yeah. In that order. I think that's really interesting because I guess you've already created, you're, you're, you're just so grounded in your own self yep. that you've been able to create the type of clientele that actually speaks to you, right? They feel exactly. safe with you. They can kind of be emotional with you and vulnerable mm -hmm. with you. And that's the space that you prefer to live in. Mm -hmm. So it looks like you've kind of been able to avoid toxic men. Oh, when I started dabbling in with boxing, because I, I fought and then I wanted to coach, I had this one guy and it doesn't matter where he's from. I just feel like a lot of Eastern European men just are very misogynistic. Like they have certain reservations of what female, you know what I mean? Like what they're, what, what female, I mean, everywhere in the world, everywhere in the world that's not North America, most of the men have these like misogynistic thoughts, gender roles and this and that. And I remember with like this one guy, he, when he, when I told him that I had a team of fighters and I was, I was starting a team of female fighters, he already had some shit to say about it. Right. right? And then this, this guy would never listen to me during sparring like he would do his own thing or I would coach him and then he would say but I oh this one coach online said this is better so at the end of the day I'm like why why are you hiring me like why am I your coach if you're only going to fight against everything I say and there was one point where I think the la the final not the final straw because he still we still worked a little bit with each other just not boxing is he was sparring with one of my other guys who wasn't who wasn't toxic and i was telling him what to do and then i finally said to him like why aren't you listening to me just what like just listen to one fucking word i'm saying and then he made a comment i forgot what it was and then i said okay so i went to the back room i got my mouth guard and i got my headgear on and i said to him let's spar let's spar and let's show me because clearly you know more than i do let's spar let's just let's do it i think in the first 10 seconds i knocked like the shit out of him in the stomach and he yeah he was I tapped out. he tapped out so i said to him like just and i whispered in his ear i'm like just listen to me because at the end of the day, like, you hired me for a reason and everyone here is trying to learn. This, like, I know more than you shit doesn't work. So, yes, I picked my demographic that I go, that I would rather train. Just because men have, men want to learn. But men don't ever want to be told what to do. I found that women are very open to criticism and learning. And when I say criticism, it's not harsh criticism. It's, hey, like, just keep your hand up or else this is going to happen to you. You know what I mean? They will take the advice and Take it, go through it, you know, and build on it rather than telling a guy and the guy's like, oh, he's, he's being patronizing. He's yelling at me. Right. I just feel like women, when they say they strive to be better, they're actually consciously doing it. Like they put the work in to be better. You know what I mean? Like these women turn into like machines, right? And then they have their nine to five jobs. They have their careers on the side. And a lot of them, I speak to them to this day and they say that boxing has helped them career wise, mm -hmm. taking that initiative to like, nothing will be scarier than stepping into a ring and seeing someone across from you who wants to take your head off. Right. That meeting, that presentation almost seems like nothing. Now a guys do a lot of lip service. Why do you think guys are so against being told what to do? I don't know. I think, I just think there's some, there's a certain, like, again, like that toxic, toxic men 
that's that issue. I just feel like that case was a scenario of a toxic man. So you create the space, you create the community that you have. Whatever men that come into the community of the boxing women are sticking around because like they're, they, they're saying in their head, wow, like I want to be a part of this growth as well. So even to this day, I mean, COVID has shut everything down and we're not doing any sort of the boxing. But before that, all the men that were on our team, if I could not cover everybody and correct everyone, they would go out of their way and be like, okay, like, let me help you out and do this. And like, you know, and not, and not in a patronizing way where it's, he's telling her, like, she's doing something wrong. It's, hey, uh, let me show you what's happening here and what could happen if you do that, you know? You build your crowd and you'll attract the people that you want. I'm not anti-men. I'm a man. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would love to have more guys that I can, like, relate with on the team and, like, you know, but it's just very hard to find and I think that's why, like, men always have to kind of wear this mask, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of protect their ego or their manliness in, like, whatever sense it is. Do you think, like, with that, the guy that you were training with, mm-hmm. was he more upset at the fact that you were training women and treating them equally? No, I don't know, man. It it's, just, I think yeah. it's a cultural thing. Like, he, he's also he's also the guy, when he asked me, I guess, I, I still remember this day. He has, oh, how old is your sister? And I'm like, oh, she's, at that point, I'm like, she's 30-something. And he says, is she married? And then I'm like, uh, no, she's not married yet. And then he's like, oh, well, she's, like, useless then. Interesting, yeah. You know, right. and I laughed at her, and I'm like, you're crazy. Like, uh, like you're talking like an old babushka. You know what I mean? Like, you're in your 30s, too. You're not married. Well, you're useless. You're not useless, you know? It's just... Do you have an example of, like, men in your life that have those concepts and then you know when they hit their limit of that belief yeah i mean it's all over the place okay yeah like you can name an example of like another trainer so i'm not gonna say oh yeah i won't say i definitely won't say any names i won't say any names it's this business owner who and the sad thing is i know this individual and i don't associate with the brand much just you listen you keep quiet and you say hey thank god i'm not that's not my mentality. The business is a business that women go to. The owner of this business is the owner of this podcast. And the topic of the podcast is, what is the gayest thing you've done without being gay? First of all, okay. <laughs> that statement right there is, is is problematic. And then they're going through examples of what's the gayest thing you can do without being gay. And just the the... The main host says, one time I hooked up with a CrossFit chick. So you are a business owner that has a business where women will go to to get stronger, get fitter, get this, that, and the third. And then you openly say, I think the gayest thing I've done was hooking up with a CrossFit chick. So to say that, you're sort of saying that women who do CrossFit or women that do any sort of lifting have a man's body which now goes against i mean i don't know what the beliefs are of this business but it almost reinforces the fact that women don't want to lift weights right right it kind of has that same concept. so you have individuals we have people every day are saying women you have women professionals are saying listen women you will not look like a man if you lift weights, the only way you can look like a man if you lift weights, obviously it's genetics, but if you're, t- if you're pumping testosterone into your butt cheeks, you're not going to look like a man's body. You're not going to have a man's body unless your genetics are or whatever. And even if your genetics allow you to do that, there's no rule. That's your body is your body, right? 
So by this individual saying that, oh, the gayest thing I've done was hook up with a CrossFit chick, you're kind of like tearing down the the foundations that so many women professionals in the field have worked so hard to kind of prove to other women that have never, you know, touched a weight before. All the work that they've done, you're just tearing it down from under them because you're going to have women listen to this podcast and say, oh, see, like, this is what they think about us. Yep. Like, this is why I don't touch weights. I'm just going to stick to Pilates, you know? So you're only going to go so far in your business until someone hears that. And then, you know, you revert backwards. Like, yeah. From that idea. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting in terms of the idea of a woman working out mm -hmm. because you'd expect a woman to be fit, which means she has to have muscle in order to be fit. She has mm -hmm. to be thin, which means she has to have a diet. And then if she works out too much, there's like a threshold of when it turns into like borderline masculine body. I remember to this day when I chose to pick this route in like my career, it was a sports illustrated, like a, it was like a six page article about the different body types in the Olympics. So it showed Olympic sprinter. Okay, as you know, Olympic sprinters are usually a little more th like thicker muscle mass, they're shorter. And then it shows Olympic marathoner, a lot leaner, a lot skinnier, taller. Then you have the Olympic volleyball player. She's like an Amazon, her, like, her legs go up to my head and she's just tall. And then you have Olympic power lifter. And this woman is easily like 250 pounds, but she's lifting everyone. Every body type has a purpose. You might not have the body type of a ballerina, but we can make sure, like sure as hell, find a sport where your body type will be effective in. And then the same goes in life. Like every purpose, every body has a function. You can be big boned, you can be thicker. Man, there's like wrestlers that are huge, you know what I mean? Or, or there's shot putters, there's this. What I'm trying to say is that you'll find your use. As long as you move your body fine and it can do whatever it needs to do, it's fine. But the aesthetics is aesthetics. Looks go away, looks fade when you get older, so. You'd rather move better than look better when you're in your 80s, right? Yeah, because I think everyone just wants one body type, you know, like the yeah picture-perfect celebrity body type, right? And like your bone structure, some people's bone structure won't look like a Kim Kardashian. You know what I mean? If you have, an, if you have narrow hips, narrow shoulders, like you got to find what suits you for your bone structure. Right. So what would you suggest or what is the typical understanding of how men perceive women that work out out of your free space? First of all, any man that feels that a woman with muscles is not feminine enough or is gross, that's a them problem. That's their own insecurities, right? Why do you think that's mm -hmm. their insecurities? Is it because like they're afraid that a woman can lift more than them? Like, is that Yeah, it could be that. It could be maybe they're self-conscious because they know they don't have the same work ethic. And seeing a woman put that time and energy to make the body that they want not scares them, but makes them jealous. So then what, how would you define what a strong man or strong woman would be in terms of like, is it their strength in being able to lift weights or is their strength in like the work ethic and discipline in order to keep that and maintain that? What would strength or what's strong mean? Strength is relative. I met plenty of women who are strong lifters and strong athletes, but are shit human beings. Like they don't, they don't pick up on social cues. They just don't, or they they have their own insecurities that ruins relationships and they become toxic and this and that. Just because you're strong, like <clears throat> being a, a good athlete or a good lifter, if you look good on camera, doesn't mean you're a good person, 
right? And that's something I've always firmly believe because of the way I am, that whole defensive, like, study the room. I see how those people operate. I can only imagine, like, oh, ooh, like, this person's partner must... I'm not talking about just women, but, like, this individual's partner must hate their lives. Or it's just strong can mean different things. If a woman, for example, if she lifts super heavy and stuff like that, that will not be a differentiating factor for me to pit, to find another woman attractive. Okay. That makes any sense. Like, that's not, a, to me... Like, I, I, I can applaud you and applaud the work that you've done, but just because you've done that, it's not going to be one of the ticks on my checklist. Like, get this is wife material. Why do you think guys are so obsessed with, like, oh, look how much I can lift as, like, an indicator of them being a good catch towards women? Or, like, why, why is that a thing? <laughs> Majority of the guys that post things with them, like, lifting their, their like, max like one rep max and stuff like that majority of the people that are going to be like applauding you and liking your stuff are other guys i've found i think it's the same thing with women i think a woman finds a, like i don't think a woman would look at a guy's 500 pound deadlift and be like yes this is a provider you know what i mean like this <laughs> is not, the guy not a thing. yeah <laughs> this is the guy that's gonna make me the happiest woman in the world no woman does that and if you are a woman that thinks that then hey all the power to you I mean, I he, love that. Like, he I, can lift the groceries for you, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why would you say that women feel uncomfortable going to the gym in terms of like versus men that are not uncomfortable going to the gym? It's know? all insecurity. All of it is insecurity. It's different levels of insecurity. Insecurity is an umbrella and people have different mental insecurities, physical insecurities, just like mindset insecurities, right? Why would women be afraid? To go to the gym. Like to, there's less there's women that go to like a Millions club. of reasons. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's millions of reasons. Yeah. So, like, I didn't go to a gym ever until I started personal training. Yeah. And I didn't even want to try because mm -hmm. I didn't know how to use any of the machines. So I was like, you know, and I'll just go with someone else and have them make me feel safe going into the gym yeah. first. Mm -hmm. So how important do you think it is to ensure that that person feels safe, guided with you in order to to get the results that they want? Because I think if how I don't feel safe... How important it is to be safe, to make them feel safe... That's like your top priority. <laughs> you know what I mean? That should be top priority for a coach. The last thing you want is you invest money with a coach, a higher professional, and have the coach turn out to be a creep or have the coach turn out because when you're in a one-on-one uh, -on -one personal training session, it's very intimate in the sense that like you're going to learn a lot from each other, right? Especially the first couple of sessions, you're sort of learning of like what, as a coach, I'm looking at the client saying, what are her emotional cues? You're almost treading like on thin ice because you don't know what their past experiences are. You know what I'm saying? And I know of people now in their late 20s, early 30s that still throw the word rape around. You know what I mean? And for example, like, oh yeah, like, yeah, uh, like a trainer will be talking about how they went to the bank and how the bank... Uh, oh yeah, they, they raped me. They raped my bank. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. For all you know, that individual you're training is a sexual assault victim. You know, it's absolutely important to make sure that your 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 client feels safe. Since I think most of our conversation was around insecurities, yeah. what kind of advice would you give to women today with their understanding of insecurities and make them not feel so bad about going to the gym? They need to do their research on coaches. Having more people in the field creates more diversity because if a lawyer turns into a personal trainer, they have a certain outlook on how to approach clients, more like a tactical, you know what I mean? Like, But I feel like a lot of people uh, who get into the fitness field are going into it for the wrong reasons. 
of the glitz and the glam and the clout and whatnot. But for people like me and like other, like hundreds of other people in the, in, in the downtown core, like we went to school for this. We went to school for like three or four years for this. And this is our career. This is our livelihood. So for someone to kind of come into the you know, just come into onto the field and kind of be like, oh, look at me, like, I got a nice butt and I, or like, I got like, I, I can develop nice shoulders for you. And you know, I mean, like, it kind of defeats the purpose of why we went to school. Okay. I'm yeah. going to wrap up with one more thing. Mm -hmm. Two biggest learnings that women have taught you. <laughs> Two biggest learnings that women have taught me. Number one, I ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're nothing. Yeah, I, I am nothing. I am absolutely nothing. I like my brain produces great ideas, but to follow through with the ideas and the logistics and the communications and the correspondence, I am horrible at that. I'm horrible at that. Like I, I would not, my company would not be here without my two partners. Nice. All right. Well, that's it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. This man is actually the first interview I ever made at the beginning of November for the 100 Masked Men series. And I think now is the perfect time to share his episode as we hit January 2021 with a fresh set of goals. I've since changed a lot of my views and the way I conduct my interviews. So it's really been a fun reflection listening back to this. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, make sure to subscribe to the show and I'll see you again next Wednesday with some new interviews of 100 Masked Men. Bye for now.